Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Good evening, everyone, or good afternoon, or good morning. Who knows? Because it's the internet, and you could be listening to us at any time. This is Script Shop. Hi, uh, my name is Jack, and I don't feel very comfortable when it's very windy outside. Oh. <laughs> Why not? Are you afraid your skirt's going to blow it up? Was, well, no, it was really windy today. Yeah. And, like, it, everything, like, there's leaves that are just blowing all over the road, and everything, nothing feels calm when it's windy. Do I you, get nervous. Mm, okay. I feel uncomfortable. Yes, actually, what I want to talk about is <laughs> when does your level of things feel good to things feel not good? Very Switch easily. The scale. Because if things are windy outside, I'm like, whoa, yeah. look at how crazy everything is. Yeah, right there. Whoa. Right there, that's when I start I getting nervous. It. Yeah, so you want, like, a calm... Peaceful. I just I prefer calm. Yeah, yes. sure. Almost every time I would if I had to choose between chaotic and calm, I'm probably going to go calm. So wind is a no go for you. It just it makes me uncomfortable because there's something going on. Like it, a- it's just it's there. I I, I can't. I'm, I'm too aware. What about flying kites? I mean that's fine. That but that's and that's okay because that's like the purpose and you need the wind to do that. What it's if just- you're on a boat and you see all the waves going like? Yeah, I mean depending on how windy we're talking, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, you know, honestly, the water is an interesting contradiction because if you're standing on the sand, uh-huh. you may be feeling peaceful like right. people people often do when they look at the water. Yes. But then if you think, oh, my God, that water is completely out of control. I don't feel in control of this. If there's a giant wave, it might get me. You might panic. I'm kind of getting nervous right now. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening. In case you couldn't tell, this was our podcast that we do where we speak with screenwriters about their work and their writing. <laughs> yes, we talk about writing all of the time and what makes people tick. And what makes them nervous. Yes, and what <laughs> ends up showing in their scripts. And we love this show so much because we believe that writers are people, <laughs> too. And that yes. they have very unique stories that we are lucky enough to read in their work. So we like to go through their work and figure out what it is about their script that makes that writer show up. If you are listening to us and you're interested in maybe sending us your work, uh, you have a couple of options. You can go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit, and you can send us your work that way. Also, we uh, take submissions on Film Freeway, which is how I believe we got our guest uh, for this week's show. April Kelly wrote a script called B. B. And if I was going to intro the show today, I would have said, mm-hmm. hi, my name is A. Ah. Yeah. That's... And then you would have said... Well, you should have just said you wanted to intro the show. It would have been okay. Honestly, Jack, you're much better at it than I am. I, I talked about how wind makes me nervous. That's not exactly. I mean, that's why I was laughing. Radio was because gold. today mine was better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so this is a. We're going to be talking about B with April Kelly. It is a 22-page rebound story that plays with fluid sexuality and friendship. Yes, uh, gender roles and sexuality, sexuality in particular, a major focus of this script. Right, and we're very excited about it. Um, If you uh, listen to the show, you love it, you want to leave us a review online to help us, you know, just keep the keep the momentum of a show going you yes. can do that on facebook uh, i guess people don't review things on instagram unless they wait isn't there like a, a like section or something can't you like thumbs up something on instagram yeah yeah you could i mean you could heart our picture of april 
yeah. or any kind of promo material we have. The point of this, though, mm-hmm. is that if you want to leave us a review, we would appreciate it. And you can do that on iTunes, Facebook, um, or send me an email, and then I'll share it with the team. And those guys always like it when I tell them about the good things that people say to us. Um, also on social media, you can find us. I'm going to be your bestie, Westie, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter also as Twitter. at Script Shop Jack. Yeah, so what was that again? Uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> After Boston, I use Twitter. I got Twitter. <laughs> I was just thinking about it like somebody from Gone with the Wind. Like, oh. I got Twitter. <laughs> oh, you got, you got, you're all a Twitter. <laughs> uh, also, if you love what we're doing, get on Patreon and send us some dollars. That would be great. Yeah, we'll take that too. Um, real quick, I, do, I want to do one little thing. Please. This is the first time that we have recorded since a couple uh, writers have passed away, and mm. I would like to introduce a very impromptu, uh, a semi-serious script shop segment. Okay. So for the, our very first inaugural SSSSS, uh, William Goldman and Stan Lee have passed away uh, mm-hmm. between the last time we recorded a show and this one now. And just, you know, I, I felt like we should maybe just talk about or at least appreciate the work that they did. William Goldman was an author and a screenwriter. He wrote Princess Bride. He mm-hmm. adapted Misery from Stephen King's mm-hmm. novel. He worked a lot with Rob Reiner. Uh, geez, what, All the President's Men. He had a ton of work. Uh, very interesting, prolific stuff. Had a very long career. Uh, William Goldman. I'm not sure how... I, I'm, I'm throwing this all on you. I don't mean to... No, it's fine. I, you know I just have the, the feels with everything. So mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here dumbfounded. I'm sitting here feeling feels about uh, just what happens when people pass away and, you know, how that all goes. Mm-hmm. Well, and appreciating their work. Because, yes. I mean, certainly the I mean, we talk about how everything stems from things that are written on the page. Right. And, you know, not only did William Goldman write novels, he also wrote screenplays and adapted novels into yeah, screenplays. That's amazing. The guy worked with words like, 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 a, like a sculptor uses their hands with clay. Yeah. And, you know, that unique perspective is not with us now. Yeah, so right. So it is just amazing to be able to hear the words, you know, this goes right back to the show, but like the words that come from somebody's soul stick around. Yeah. In script. Yes. In the way people write. We, I, th- I think a lot about how we, you know, as human beings, we, we build things, we make stuff. There's a lot of physical things that we do that we can sort of define ourselves by. But I really, really think maybe one of the defining elements of humanity is the, the stories that we tell and yeah. passing things down amongst ourselves and creating a sense of history and, 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 and communication and, and culture. And that, that it's all just telling stories. That's really all telling your own story, telling somebody else's, making something up. Right. That's kind it's of connecting. all we've got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Stan Lee, of course, with all of his work with comic books into movies into everything, everything, everything else. Stan Lee, who was just at like the forefront of like creating modern American mythology, working with the arguably the greatest comic book artist of all time, right. Jack Kirby, creating these characters, working with Steve Ditko to make some others and just being there and churning out just crazy hit after crazy hit and influencing American mainstream culture in like singular ways that I don't know, like short of Walt Disney, it's sort of hard to pick a name that's had more of an effect you right. know, on like mainstream culture, popular culture. The ripples from that are immeasurable. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was a uh, semi-serious script shop segment. Thanks for listening. Okay, SSSS. Got it. Is that, are we allowed to say SSSS on the show? Well, it's just a bunch of letters in a row. Why wouldn't we be able to do (laughs) that? It's making me think about something else, and I just hope that it's nothing. Okay, well, this, regardless of whatever anybody else may be thinking it means, uh, SSSSS stands for semi-serious script shop segment, which I just created for us to have on the show. Stand still. Stay silent. Staysilent.com. That's 
apparently that's a thing on the web. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Well, let's talk five. to April now because Can her we... script's better than what we're talking about, except for the SSSS she, segment. April's been very patiently uh, standing by uh, from across the pond. Right. Hello, April. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> April, thank you for uh, sending us your work. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for waiting out that semi-serious script shop segment. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I was in bed right now. So um, oh, we're all good. Oh, lucky. Awesome. Yes. That sounds so comfy. <laughs> well, what time is it where you are? It is 10 to 11. Oh, wow. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for uh, taking the time to talk. What, what's the bed situation? Big, thick pillows, big, heavy covers, yes. blankets. What's uh, what's our bed situation? Stop it. You've caught me at quite a moment. I'm on um, I'm on location for another film up mm. in uh, in North, uh, North England, and we're in accommodation. So I'm in a nice little single bed in a, in a little pokey room. But, you know, I'm <laughs> humbled. It's, it's, uh, at least I've got a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, so, okay, but I mean, so, I mean, have you been there for a couple of days? You've been sleeping well. Is it a bit okay accommodations? Um, I've been here for three weeks. Oh wow! Mm, yeah, yeah. But no, it's brilliant. The people are fantastic, and um, the best thing is you can see the stars at night, which you can't see when you're in London. Oh yeah, yeah you get out in the country, you can actually see the sky. Exactly. Exactly. Well, have you been making making movies for a long time? Yeah. So I mean. Oh, haven't we all? Uh, I went to drama school, and when I was twenty-one, I um, uh, we had to do this like we had to do this course in drama school where we had to present something that we would do when we weren't acting that wasn't soul destroying. So I got up and did um, a presentation on starting my own production company, and my tutor at the time afterwards pulled me to one side and said, um, "Do you want to come back next week and?" present something a little bit more realistic and then I registered the company two weeks later and I haven't really looked back wow so, <laughs> what a jerk yeah what a jerk I, I, I mean I, I want to thank him now but I also want to thank my ignorance at the time I was like what do you know yeah um so yeah and I was I was fortunate um, well I say I was fortunate I worked throughout drama school and I didn't spend my student loan so my student loan was kind of a investment down payment onto the company and um I met my business partner two years later after graduating and we we kind of plowed on with doing a slate of creative short films because we soon very soon quickly realized that it was directors that kind of got all of the attention so as producers all we could do was build a brand and make sure our films hit a whole host of festival circuits so horror, comedy, drama, LGBT. Um, and we kind of got out there to see what was resonating with us the most. Um, so yeah, for about, you know, seriously, for about seven years making films, but making films from my whole life, like we all have probably. Mm-hmm. I think the, what you just said in the beginning a minute ago about how you want to thank this professor for sort of putting you on the path, but also the idea of appreciating whatever level of ignorance you had at the time, which is another way of saying you were just, you were enthusiastic and you know, you, maybe you didn't know enough to be afraid of it, but the, the role, like the role that ignorance can play in terms of making something happen is actually kind of cool. Oh, 100%. Like I, I say this, I say this with all the love in my heart, but I thought if my dad can run a business, I sure as hell can. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but um, it was, it is that ignorance, but I think it's the way that you're brought up as well. And and I was very fortunate to be surrounded by a family that just said, if you work hard enough, you can do whatever you want. So all I knew is if for whatever I lacked in academics and 
believe me, I lack a lot, but the podcast isn't long enough. I do make up for it in enthusiasm <laughs> and and um, going for it. And that's why my business partner, Sarah, is, is so key because she is all the academics. Mm. Um, but funny enough, ignorance played a huge, a huge part in the project that we're going to be talking about. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think ignorance gets a bad rep. I think it's good. It can be, I think, for sure. Because if you're not, if you're not smart enough to be afraid of something, then you're just going to do it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you say that ignorance played a big part in this in the story of B. What do you mean by that? Um, so, well, funny enough, actually, because I just realized when I sent you the script, it was called B. It's now officially called Treacle. How do you spell that? <laughs> That's my favorite thing with Americans because I can't believe that Americans don't know what it is. Which, um, and my my American producer Katie, she was like, "Yeah, we're not going to know what that is." And I'm like, "But everyone can Google it." Um, it's spelled T R. E A C L E. So that's totally what I thought you said. <laughs> it's the British term for molasses. Yeah. It's like syrup. Mm-hmm. It's like sticky pudding. <laughs> mm. That's so interesting. So, yeah, we're definitely going to need to know a little bit more about the shift from B, which I think uh, I, I, seems sort of obvious once you read the script why the, it was initially titled B, but shifting over to, to treacle, I think, is something we're going to need to walk through. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was, oh God, I've never had such an issue naming a film before. It starts off as B because of every reason, you know, given a voice to the B in LGBT and it was just a quick name that came to mind just as a working title. And then um, myself and Sarah, we still very much loved it. We wanted it to be the name of it, but then the marketing side of it, it absolute nightmare to market it because if you try and search for the short film, every film beginning with B would turn up and right. it, would be, it would be a nightmare. <laughs> um, so yeah. then we um, then we went through other phases. Uh, there's a car that features in it. Um, there's this blue Grand Marquis car. So uh, it was called Grand Marquis for a while. And then we had other friends watch um, a rough cut of it and, and go, I was expecting a giant tent. And we were like, oh, crap. Yeah, you would have been because you don't know what Grand Marquis means. So that was an issue. And then it was called um, Fuck You, Love You for a bit. That was a weird phase. And then, <laughs> and then Treacle, it came to Treacle because randomly um, the opening scene, we were shooting it and um, I'd roll up and I'd yell various things. And uh, and I'd got into the habit of calling Ari Treacle anyway. So we just rolled up and went, I went, hello, Treacle. And um, it kind of stuck. And then we just realized that we needed something that was kind of kitschy, but also it is what it is. It is a sticky situation, Mm -hmm. but it's still, I don't know, it just rolls off the tongue. And I don't mind that people don't know what it means because it it still sticks in their head. So um, Mm -hmm. other than that, it was pretty much a majority vote and Treacle won. (laughs) I, I mean, I really like it because the relationship in this story goes from some sexual situations to some friendship situations to some like just very easily companionship. And it's, you know, in the same way that if you were dripping molasses onto something and trying to pull it off, different pieces of it stick at different times yeah. and you don't really have a lot of control over that. It's very messy. Yeah, 100%. And and I think it's a good way of explaining 
the intricacies of this this these two's friendships and relationships and um and it can be it, it can work for the sticky situation but it is actually it's really sweet it's a real sweet taste as well and and i think these girls are really sweet at the start yeah. um so for me it's it, it was the best outcome why did you decide to write this like where did it come from um yeah so my manager out in the states uh shane who um i cursed when as soon as i got out there to shoot this because i was like what have i done but now i will praise him and i will name him <laughs> shane from um from authentic he's he's incredible and he he emailed me and he was like i get the acting and i get the producing but have you ever thought about writing or directing um and i thought i wouldn't wouldn't touch directing with a barge pole from uh, <laughs> from being a producer I think I have far too much respect for the directors we've worked with to just all of a sudden decide I was going to direct. I really feel like it's something you you desperately want to do and you've worked hard for it. Um, but I thought, you know what, I've probably got a story in me. So I went and uh, I went and sat down. I met Rosie, who I actually wanted to write and direct it. And she was like, this is your story. And I was like, you're right. I've got two stories in me and this is one of them. Um, and it is an amalgamation of, of three real life things that have happened to me. Um, the friendship element is me and my business partner, Sarah. We spend most of our time in a car driving to and from sets or whatever. We just our whole friendship is based in a car. So that was pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. um, L.A. is is somewhere which was very close to my heart. And I. I had um I had a couple of trips, random trips, where we ended up me and a friend um in one of the beautiful houses in in Hidden Hills, Calabasas. So there was that element of just ridiculousness when you get in there and you're like, holy crap, how do people live here? Yeah. And there's that element. And then there's the element of um well, it's it says it in the script. It's when when a straight girl gets a little bit too comfortable and decides to make you the disposable experiment so um in short mm. it's it, it's my life <laughs> mm. I, mean, I gotta i just have to flip back to this disposable experiment part do you feel like you've been that person for somebody before oh god yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's happened um uh it's happened more times than i wish to acknowledge i reckon in in different in different layers it's not always to the degree of what we explore in the script it could be it could be in an emotional sense it could be just an accidental um, misinterpretation of a leaning of, of a kiss or something or it can get to this situation where you wake up the next morning and you're like oh my god and and they do exactly what jesse does in this film mm -hmm. except i've never being comfortable enough or had the the balls to actually confront it like my character does in this script. So for me, it's a weird cathartic moment as well because all the other times I've just thought, crap, it must have been my fault then. You know, mm -hmm. they came on to me. They did all this to me, so it must be my fault. Um, and it isn't. And I also, it's not a blame game at all. It was just, it's something where... I think when you're in those situations, because it is a friend and you've both been put out of your comfort zones and it's incredibly awkward as um, as sex can be or as any intimate level of that, that um, 
you you don't really get to address it and and uh, that's what I wanted to do it's not it's not Jesse's fault it's not Belle's fault it might appear that Jesse is blaming Belle but actually they're probably so confused within themselves they're not thinking of the bigger picture so this that's, is oh I'm so sorry please finish that thought I was just saying that's what we're we're trying to explore in this film so this is the story of Jesse and Belle, uh, two young women who are on a bit of a road trip, uh, coming off of the coming off of a breakup, right? Yeah, Jesse's just broken up with um, her ex, Rob. Yeah. And so they they're on this road trip, and they end up at a, a, like a house that they've rented, and it, it, it's a, it's a gorgeous like weekend out in California somewhere. Yeah, it is. Um, it's so. Jesse had already booked for Rob's birthday to go away right. for this weekend. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of, you know, instead of like, I don't think she'd be able to get all of her cancellation feedback and all of this. Belle has convinced her, look, why don't we go away? We haven't had a chance to go away in so long because you've had a boyfriend. I've been busy with work. Let's just have a girl's weekend away. And, um, and yeah, they travel out of LA, um, uh, over somewhere in California um, a good couple of hours away and then they yeah they kind of get to relive um their early 20s and then it just goes a little bit a little bit array because um I don't know I don't know about you guys but I find that there's two sets of friends I have now growing up there's the ones that are single like myself who uh, who who kind of just making up as you go along and freewheeling and then you've got friends who are either getting married like my business partner Sarah literally has just done and I think it's like oh, congratulations. also terrifying I'm like oh my god you're married that means you're an actual adult um <laughs> or you've got some friends who are coming out of relationships they've been in since their early 20s mm. and they're like oh crap now I'm like starting over and I'm dating and I haven't done this and and that's where a lot of Jesse's insecurities come from well, and, you know, talking about ignorance, I'm going to flaunt my ignorance a little bit because I'm not I can't really speak too confidently about necessarily British cinema. But in terms of like American film, the idea of a road trip and self-discovery and like, you know, hitting the road and learning something about either the person you're with or like just, you know, figuring yourself out. Jack Kerouac type stuff. That, that That's an extremely American form of storytelling. I don't know how much of a thing it is as far as uh, on your end of the ocean goes, but. What was your motivation to have this be in California? Um, yeah, yes, I would. I mean, ignorance is going to sponsor this entire podcast. Yeah. It was, I, <laughs> I quote you, I said to Shane, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it in L.A. Um, and, that, and then I got out to L.A. and I was like, what have we done? Um, <laughs> it was just because we've done so many um, short films in the U.K. and we'd kind of reached the highest achieving one we could do um and we thought work was starting to appear in LA and obviously with with the network of people we thought well why don't we spread our wings and give ourselves an actual real big challenge and and do it out there and Rosie the director has a huge love for America it's some it's somewhere where she wants to be it's somewhere I want to be and um and as a team we just thought let's do it and I, I think it's when you've got that little glimmer of hope that you can do it out there, it would work vice versa. If, if you guys got told it would be possible to shoot in London, you, it'd be a no-brainer. You'd be like, yeah, let's just do it then. Yeah. And that's kind of what we did. But it was a lot harder than we could ever anticipate because 
we couldn't ironically now it's called treacle get anyone to really stick to the project until we got out there mm-hmm. so i kid you not we booked our flights probably two weeks before we were heading out there and then we landed on the 15th of august and i think we started shooting on the 29th of august mm-hmm. but we landed with no cast no crew and no locations that's insane that's awesome yeah it's yeah, awesome which, which in hindsight, looking at it, especially as the type of producers we are, we were like, that's ludicrous. But <laughs> I, I was working on this project and the month before going out there, I changed my body clock to be on L.A. time to pull this together. But it got to the point where we were like, we just need to get out there because if people know we're out there, they will know we're serious right. and we can really start doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's better than try. I mean, I guess it, it makes a little more sense to come here and find people versus getting everybody over there and then flying. Like that's it's way more complicated to fly everybody out versus all the resources that you're going to have in Southern California waiting for you. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, you know, I've been told several times um, LA is the most expensive place to shoot, and uh, <laughs> and I do believe that. But you guys work in such an incredible way out there. What I will say is that in the UK, you can get away with far more than you can in the States mm. uh, for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. But the the way that you work and the passion behind short films that you have in that in I can only talk for, for L.A. and California is is incredible. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I just think. It, it wouldn't have worked in anywhere else because there were moments where we were gearing up and we were like, well, can't we just shoot it here? And that's not the point. We would, with the style of it, with the whole comparison of a UK and an American, just everything. And yes, it's extravagant. And yes, we could easily, we could have actually done it anywhere we wanted to. But LA and that whole atmosphere was such a huge part of this. And we just wanted to. Yeah. Is that really bad to say? We just no, wanted to. No, we only live once. Yeah. <laughs> YOLO. Yeah, which is a, I'm just kidding, before I laugh at this. It's a little plug. <laughs> uh, Jack and I just shot a short film called Love These Days that makes fun of the idea, the phrase YOLO. Makes fun of it? It's, it's what the whole plot turns on. Are you kidding me? It's. I mean, we make fun of it, but it's funny because it, we use YOLO to make like a giant metaphorical point. There's a very hilarious. sage-like bartender character in this, this film Jack, that really sort of it. drives the, 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 the story home. <laughs> If he didn't exist, I mean, the whole plot kind of turns on him. He's sort of the linchpin in the whole thing. It's true. It's definitely true. Um, but, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's true. You're, I mean, you wanted to do this yeah, thing. You wanted to do it, so you did it. And you came here and you did it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It was, It was. yeah, it was I, hands down the best experience of my life. And I think Sarah and myself, we're, we're like a donkey after a carrot. And we're always looking to broaden our own skill set and and we do eventually want to be working in america more and more and we thought this is a step and we're very fortunate with the execs that we had on board with our network in the in in the states anyway that it felt like a natural thing to do and and i just needed the nudge from my manager and and yeah we went off and did it so when you were writing this what was what came easily to you? What was challenging? What themes did you have to work on and kind of finesse a little bit more than others? I think the biggest challenge was um, uh, structure, and I'm, I'm very dyslexic. So it was the first time I'd ever put pen to paper in this kind of way. And 
massive kudos to Rosie and her patience because she, for the first couple of drafts, she could see what I was trying to do and was able to sit down with me and articulate it in a way when I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's exactly the kind of way I want to go with it. Um, uh, but besides from that, my favourite bit was dialogue because I actually kept notes of circumstances where this had happened mm. um, and also kept notes of mine and Sarah's car journeys and not with this in mind. I literally just wrote stuff down because I thought I want to remember that so oh, that when cool. I can look back on it, um, I can see how far I've come. And, and so some of these things for, from verbatim, um, like the like even the Bradley Cooper line, uh, that is no joke. Like Bradley Cooper's the love of my life, uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and um, and you'll see it when you get into the film um, when they're talking about getting married. Like, do I want to get married to a man or a woman? Um, and uh, have I ever thought about that? And I kid you not, I've even had people ask me that this week. Mm. It's so strange, and wow. you can't get angry at it because at least they're talking about it. But the amount of times I've had people say to me um so what do you lean more towards to or what are you interested in at the moment and all things like that and uh so yeah the dialogue side was was the was the best was my favorite and then apart from that it was just making something that didn't feel like a film it had to feel mm. like slice of life mm-hmm. and my biggest thing was to make sure that people watch this because it could have gone either way. I did not want Belle to look like the victim and I did not want Jesse. I did not want this to be Jesse's coming out story. Yeah. I wanted this to be a 24 hour moment, which they share. And I, yeah, you're not mm. going to be able to help what the audition, what the audience comes out with. They might prefer one character to the other, but I wanted them to come out and believe in their friendship and, and just maybe not, really know what's going to happen um I love that I just didn't want there to be this my biggest issue I'm gonna say it my biggest issue um with what I found doing the festival circuit with LGBT films in particular is that they're they are incredible films um but they always have to have a, a big moment I feel like there's a lot of LGBT content on the short film circuit that that is trying to deal with a big matter in a small amount of time. And, and you completely need those films um, totally. But this is why I went after Rosie, the director, because mine and hers film were screening the same LGBT program and her film crush. And if you, if you have five minutes to watch it, mm. it's online. It's a beautiful short film about these two 13, 14 year old girls one of them sees the other one across the platform. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. She's waiting for a train. Yes, that's my girl. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and she experiences her first crush. And, you know, there's no sex in it. There's no coming out. There's nothing hugely traumatic about it. And it's just so sincere and so real. And I think there might be three lines of dialogue in the whole thing. And um, we actually joke now because because treacle feels like um feels like crush but 10 years on mm-hmm. um yeah so i just really wanted to make a film that even though i'm strongly swinging the bisexual flag i i want to i 
I wanted to be able to play wherever and I wanted any sexual orientation or gender to re- relate to it because I feel like we've all been there with friends before. Well, I think that sounds like a great segue into actually yeah. reading some of the dialogue from the script. Mm. So, listeners, if you are following along, if you've read this or you are planning on reading it, we're going to be reading from the script. We're going to be reading, um, let's see. Scene 12. Scene 12 into scene 13. Uh, that's going to be script page six. There we go. And it's it's fairly early on. Jesse and Belle have started this road trip of theirs, and this is sort of them uh, after having stopped off at a liquor store and just killing some time. It's a it's a good character moment. You talked about how much you enjoyed writing the dialogue for this April, and like I definitely made a note about how much I enjoyed the character work that you get from the dialogue in this, and even you know. I, I think that when you're reading this script and it, you you know it's potentially building to something, doesn't mean it has to be cataclysmic, but you can tell it's building to something. But I don't think that the sex between these two characters necessarily seems inevitable until the whiskey gets involved right. near yes. the end. And then everybody goes, oh, I see where this is going. Right. Uh-huh. But I think up until that point, it really, it, it can really, it, it, it feels very, hey, this is two people just hanging out and talking and they're friends and that potentially is it. I mean, they are exploring ideas and things sure. together and that always leads to something too so sure we can get into that after we yeah. read from the script so uh april you are going to be playing the part that you played in the production right yeah bell then i will be reading for jesse and jack will be doing all of our action headings here okay uh so april you good yeah good. Do, you need, do you get do you, like do you need to get into character or anything or are you cool <laughs> Oh, no, I've done this one before. We're okay. all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to need about five, so hang on a second. All right. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, this is scene 12. Exterior, liquor store, day. The man from the store is now talking on the phone, pacing behind Belle's car. Jesse gets back into the car, shooting an exasperated look at him. Belle, with her focus still very much on the kid, starts to pull out to drive off without realizing the annoying man is behind her car. Belle brakes hard. The man indicates a whoa-there motion, followed by a patronizing keep-your-eyes-on-the-road signal. The child finds this all hilarious and opens his mouth, presses it against the window, and blows like some sort of pufferfish. And just at that moment, simultaneously, Jesse gives the dad the middle finger. Bell does the same to his son, and they drive off. Interior, exterior, Bell's car, deserted roads, day. Well into their journey, and with their snacks now half-eaten, the girls are in the middle of playing 21 questions. You have 17 questions left. Okay, so female and Canadian. Is she an actress? Yes. TV? Yes. Something we've both seen. Religiously. Yes. <laughs> Do I fancy her? <laughs> you fancy everyone. Fine, fine, fine. Is she secretly my future wife? Should Bradley Cooper not want to marry me? <laughs> yes. You dick. <laughs> Shay Mitchell. Mm. Easy. Mm-hmm. I win. And that's the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Man, I mean, short and sweet. It, I, one of the things that I really love about this is that um, this, this, the, the, I mean, the action headings, the dialogue. I feel like we are working with sexuality in a really light, lovely, and complex way at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like you're holding like a, a very delicate ice sculpture. Oh. You know, something that could just like kink and then become something different super quickly, yeah. whether it breaks or melts or whatever. So 
Um, this the scene selection, you know, we've got this kind of aggressive part where the two characters are like actively telling this dad and his little jerk off son (laughs) (laughs) to fuck off. And then you have them lightly playing with that familiarity that can happen between people. Some of that easy surface level stuff that really is rooted in like grounded comfort Mm -hmm. and time spent together there. Yeah, totally. And and thank you. Thank you for picking um picking up on that and so much up until well, really up until the probably the final scene, which is where you let it play out in all its awkwardness. A lot of it is just um uh fish on a wall. No, what's the saying? Not fish on what is it when you're um what is it when you're like a fly on the wall? Oh, <laughs> I like the first as far as I'm concerned, it's fish on the wall now. <laughs> That's, that's the way I'm saying that forever and ever now. If I could have only been a fish on the wall in this movie. Jack and I were seriously in the studio looking at each other going, uh, That's so good. Uh, I love fish on the fish wall. On the wall. Why is that not a thing? I don't, it's a thing now. I don't care. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so we want it to be fly on the wall. And you'll see when you see the film that so much of the start of it is quite choppy you want to you want to gauge you've got to make sure the audience know these these friends are really good friends and know each other in and out so that's why you've got to a show time passing and b show show them in different scenarios and funny enough um a fair bit of of what we've used now is just me and ari improvising um because that's when it's most organic and and that's why as a writer, I would say very loosely um, that I wrote this in mind, knowing that the actors could, within reason, do whatever the hell they would like with it. Because mm-hmm. I know that as soon as you get that bond with an actor, you trust each other. And you've got to let it go where it's got to go. Mm-hmm. There's also mm-hmm. a, there's an element of trust in that, though, because, I mean, you've flown thousands of miles to, to do this thing. You're here for a certain amount of time, and it, it, there's a bit of a risk element involved in not necessarily having everything built out and planned in the script and just having a few improv scenes. I think that's kind of a gutsy move. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It was I, The whole thing was gutsy, and um, I, I don't think... I uh, I don't know. It is it is and it isn't. I think it would have been. I would have shot myself in the foot if I was, if I just went no. We're staying with the script. We're staying with the script because so much, regardless of how far we'd flown or the circumstances, um, if you get into a location and something's not working, then it's not working, and you've got to work it out. Or if Rosie decided to run long on a shot, then that gave me and Ari a chance to play around and 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 find something new. I think me and her knew, um, we knew that we knew me and Rosie, sorry, me and Rosie, me and her knew all of the story and characters so well that when Ari came in, they're in a position just to feel as comfortable and safe as what we did. Um, and then the three of us just got to play. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's there, so it, as the the script builds and and the girls are having this weekend and they've had a few drinks and they've had some food and the, the when, like I said once the sort of the whiskey gets introduced at least as I was reading it that's when it started to seem like there's going to be some sort of physical manifestation of their relationship there there is a little exchange just before I guess maybe you could say things really get going where Jesse rolls over and they're facing each other in bed and Belle's talking to her and Jesse is making the move like you talked about how. 
doing this sort of, well, I'm going to give this a whirl, even though Belle is coming to their relationship from a totally other point of view. And she says, hey, listen, I'm letting you know right now, I want you to be sure that you want to do this. You can't undo this in the morning. And I think that that's, I mean... How much does that sort of interplay figure into, you know, maybe your real memories of things or how important it was for you to really have a scene like that instead of just let's get drunk and then they start kissing and then everything just sort of happens? Yeah. Um, funny enough, though, this is so strange because we we're talking the, the film is now in post-production. So um, that that particular line has been cut because it didn't need to be said and that's really strange but when you see it and that's what I learned as a writer that um a lot of the dialogue we found didn't need to be said because Mm -hmm. me and Ari had the chemistry there and and it's incredible what chemistry can say and which where you don't need lines but it was very important for me because it's happened before and when you're drunk and you you end up just going with the flow of it. And actually all the times I should have stopped and been like, you cannot undo this. This cannot be my fault in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, and Belle semi did it. And I don't think she then realized she was going to wake up to the Jesse she woke up to. Right. Um, and, and I think, I think as soon as, as, Bell woke up in the morning and Jesse wasn't there. She knew. Yeah. She knew exactly what what was going to happen, and it was exasperating. I think I really like the idea of you know a budding romance between friends not working out, not having like you talked about some sort of big moment like oh now we're in love and it's a happily ever after sort of story this is a very specific like you said sort of 24 hour period and it's a snapshot and this is what happens this is the result and i think it doesn't feel like you're getting into any sort of tropes whether i think you're talking about any sort of friendship film any sort of film about romance in general i really think you've avoided getting into a lot of cliches that you could fall into i uh, sure as hope yeah i really hope so um again a lot of inspiration for the film and I don't get me wrong I love a chick flick I'm all about it and and there were we were going to do a couple of alternative endings believe it or not mm-hmm. uh, but it was it's really difficult and this is why I wanted to do something because I find that bisexuality writing in general and I say this with a broad brush stroke I I I can't declare that enough. I know there is a lot of good writing out there, but from my experience growing up, the bisexuality writing that I'd seen was few and far between. And then anything that felt like it was, it was a bisexual story kind of chickened out at the end mm-hmm. and it would either be them coming out or it would be them having an experiment. And we had to be really careful with this script because there'd be drafts of it. And we were like, no, no, no that's lazy. We're just trying to tie up loose ends here. No, no, no let it be just got to let it be and the way the the way the film is now there's a moment where i hope the audience feels what we feel where you you do really want it to work out of these girls you don't know why yeah. you don't know why and you don't know whether you want it to work out so that they can still be friends or that they can fall in love but the um yeah the the audience won't get what they want to get out of this particular film but they will feel fulfilled by it at the same time. They won't feel like they've been cheated. Mm-hmm. I feel like what you said, that we could have hit a cliche mm-hmm. and it might have been pleasing for um, the general audience, but actually I don't think they would have felt as fulfilled by it. 
I, I wrote down, I found that there was an interview that you did that I think maybe you supplied us with in terms of some pre-show, some pre-interview stuff. And there, there's a quote that I, that, of yours that I wrote down from this interview that I think is, I think it, there's a lot about it that I really, really dug. And it says, as a bisexual woman in the industry, I can't help but feel that the B in LGBT is simply there to make the acronym roll off the tongue with ease. More often than not, what appears to be a bisexual story turns into a tale of experimenting or just a phase. When you have the uncertainty of labeling, which we as humans so desperately need, which I really like that piece of insight. I think we love being able to put things in little boxes and define it and move on. And the added complexity of the female friendship, it can very quickly end in awkward, cringeworthy circumstances for both parties. I really, really, really like that quote. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, And I think what you're trying to achieve with this script takes care of that. I really think it does. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thank you. I know that Rosie um, is trying to smack my hands away at saying the complexity of female friendships, because I believe that can be overdone now. But um, but for me, as someone in their 20s, blimey, isn't it hard work? Uh, just in general, friendship, relationships, everything. And and I think it's, it's I know we guys, we were talking about it, about organising this, um, this podcast. It, you get to your 20s, and I do find that maybe Belle and Jess had have this because you you meet a partner or you you go into full-time work and and that friendship that you might have been really close for a small period of time goes away and and I Rosie and I do wonder how long it had been since Bell and Jesse had a weekend away or had gone out and let their hair down and and um and so I do think the for me and for Rosie this is a buddy movie that just so happens deals with sexuality mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that. That resonates with you. So thank you. Yeah, I, I really, that. I really dug that quite a bit because I think you're right. I think in terms of representation, I don't think necessarily that bisexuality gets a fair shake. No, they don't, but we're, we're getting there. I mean, things are getting there and I don't know if you'd seen recently, we, we did a crowdfunding campaign for, um, for post-production uh, due to a small incident that happened on set, which we won't get into. But if you want to know more, I can send you a link. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, we've just wrapped up on a on a campaign. And um, I discovered during that campaign when I was looking at stats that 1% of LGBT funding goes to bisexuals every year. Just 1%? 1%? Yeah, it's ludicrous. It's um, not a lot. Which is, yeah, and and... I, it's again, it's, it's all just, it's all very, it's opened my eyes to it because I, I never felt the need to come out. Although I imagine I probably was outed by someone at some point, um, because I was just who I was and my parents brought me up to fall in love with a person and not a gender, but I had way more sleepless nights growing up wondering if I was gay or straight because Mm. I just assumed that bisexuality was like sex purgatory and I was just waiting to cross over into the L or something and and it was never really a big thing over in the UK and then the more I came over to America the more I found a community and I was like oh yeah this is where I belong Mm. I like it well the idea of how human beings like to 
label things and like I think people like to put things you know let me see something I'm going to identify it I categorize it and I know what this is now and I can move on and up until you know not too terribly long ago yeah gay or straight was sort of it it was a light switch just like anything else and the idea of a spectrum whether you're talking about sexuality whether you're talking about you know different brain patterns and the ways of thinking as far as maybe Asperger's syndrome or autism not that being gay is some sort of mental condition or you know what I'm saying but like the idea of a spectrum and not just having it be all the way on, all the way off, hot right. or cold. I think that's good. Yeah, 100%. And, and with that spectrum, it's it's having respect for the fact that bisexuality is its own sexual orientation. And you don't, it's not just there to be, it's, it's not just a cop out. Right. I feel like people were always so scared to, I mean, I was afraid to say I was bisexual because people would be like, oh, she'll be gay soon. It's always had that kind of notion. And um, and I kid you not, it's only been in the last two years that I've really sat comfortably in that. And when you think I've, I've had I've had female relationships and male relationships for the last ten years, and it's only been in the last two years I felt truly comfortable with with being bisexual. How does that make you feel now? Um, a lot better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and I think doing a project like this. Um, it took, it was a long time coming cause I could never articulate myself or find the right project or anything like that. Or find the right team is most important and yeah. finding Rosie and having the support of Sarah who co-owns mini productions with me, that made all of the difference. Um, and I think it was the right, it was the right time. It was the right time for us as a company. It was the right time for where I was in, in my, in my um, growth with it and, yeah, I feel a lot better. There's there's significant movements happening within um, bisexuality being seen in the industry, and and you only have to Google it now and buy Visibility Day and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot happening, and it's really exciting. Well, if somebody was interested in talking to you about your work in this realm of film, about the topics and themes that you've discussed on the show, about where your movie is now. Yeah, how we can maybe see it sometime. Yeah, like when we would be able to watch it and where. Um, first of all, I want you to answer that question. And then also, <laughs> what's a, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Well, the film is currently in post. Um, we are, we're going to be, well, <laughs> let me start that again. So we, yeah, we're in post and we will, be doing a private screening in London at the end of February, and then we will be having um, private screening in uh, LA and in New York. Um, the Bisexual Resource Centre is an official collaborator of the project, and they're down in Boston. So hopefully, we're going to be able to get everyone up into New York to do a screening, which would be lovely. And then it will hit the festival circuit. What um, the well, festival circuit? You know, yeah, don't say. It's so interesting you say that, April, because we happen to be aware of a certain film festival in Cincinnati. An incredible film festival that uh, is ran by a few redheads and their friends. There's a couple really great people that are running a really great film festival that just had a killer inaugural year this past summer. Oh. The Independent Film Festival in Cincinnati is going. <laughs> to be back next year and i feel like you probably ought to submit to it and check it out what are the odds what, the, <laughs> what a beautifully serendipitous moment we just oh, had oh, hell yeah we'll definitely send it your way okay. and i will of course send you a link regardless but no we'd love to, like this is the whole point we want it to hit as many different audiences as, as possible this is why we make films we have something to say and we want people to hear it so hell yeah 
well, we send it your way for sure. Um, I mean, if you're in if you're in the neighborhood for the other screenings, do join us. It'd yes. Be I mean, I say um, that because I like to travel. Yeah, so. She's very enthusiastic <laughs> right now. I love traveling yeah. and I love film, seeing things and yeah. talking to people, hence the show. But, you know, keep us yeah. posted with those dates and we can share those um, either via the website or, you know, via social media. If someone, I know you said private, but maybe there's a ticketed option at some point or something. Yeah, totally. Um, and in terms of getting in touch, uh, we since doing the campaign, we've had a lot of like people reaching out to us saying that this resonates with them so much and, and seeing how they can get involved, which has been so heartwarming and exactly why we did it. We've, we've even had some people open up about their own sexuality to mm-hmm. us and we were like, yes, let's talk about this. Let's not make it taboo. So if you do want to get in, in touch and you want to chat with me, I'm all ears. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, under April underscore underscore Kelly for Twitter, April underscore Kelly for Instagram just to make things difficult and then if you go on to miniproductions.co.uk um you email us email us we're always there we always get the emails and uh we're on Facebook as well awesome perfect April thank you so much for sending us your work thank you for finding time to be on the show with us good luck in your production in, in northern England right now thank you thank you for having me guys I've had a blast it was wonderful the time flew by thank you so much <laughs> all right Quite a windfall. That was, uh, if you will, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I wish you would. <laughs> that was great. That I mean, honestly, I looked up big words for wind because of how great that was. A windfall. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Now you get it. It's so bad <laughs> that you forgot for your, you know, like a big bounty of something happening, mm-hmm. and then I needed to tie it back to wind. For I get you. it. But I was just to, being ignorant. It's again. I'm just going to point out that it's because the intro was so bad that I, you had already forgotten. Yeah, about I get it. it. <laughs> yeah, I've already blocked that out of my memory. Uh, April's wonderful. That was. I, I enjoyed that script very much. And I feel like there's so much there's a lot to there. talk to about her. I thought that an hour just hardly does it. We didn't even scratch the surface on what it was like to write this and how she felt about that and her history as a, I mean, she talked about how her agent was like, you want to write? And she's like, oh, but that whole process. <laughs> yeah. And then her, what she thinks about short films and, you know, what her process is on those. And, then, and the production element of it. I know. We talked about it some. And it's there's just so much. There's a lot Because that's all the technical stuff. And then there's, again, talking about LGBTQ here and in other countries mm-hmm. and really going into her experiences on that because she shared a lot about that, but it was, it, it was a sentence or two at a time. And I feel like if we had more time, I would just want to talk I know. about all of this. Well, you know, there's going to be a few days coming up in uh, August of next year uh, when if, if right. and when she submits and yes! maybe comes to town, then we could have a good few days to talk about things that would for be amazing, this it? Independent Film Festival. Oh, I love this Independent Film Festival. Folks, if you've written something with themes that are important to you and you're trying to uh, figure things out in the world and you want to put messages out in the world to resonate with other people, if you've done any of those things and written stuff like that, you should send that to us. We would like to read it. We would like to have you on the show to talk about it. You can send that to us by going to scriptshopshow.com slash submit or finding us on Film Freeway and submitting there. Also, if you tweet and you get on the Twitter, mm. you should get on the Twitter and you should Twitter at us because we like to talk to you about Hey, you want me to Twitter at you? <laughs> I can Twitter at you. What, what, what's, your, what's your handle? I love that, like, these characters now. Your Boston guy. Yeah, my obnoxious Boston with, guy. Gone with the wind woman. <laughs> yes. Live in the same universe somehow. They're, they're best friends somehow. Yeah. <laughs> they are, aren't crosses they? Crosses time and space. I love it. 
Uh, so you can find us. Allison on Twitter is at your bestie Westie, and I am at Script Shop Jack. You can also find the show at Script Shop Show on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Just look Script Shop Show, and you can find us, and you should friend us, and you can follow us. And, it, and let's sound- talk about these scripts, people. Yeah. Let's talk about them. Let's do that. All right. Frank, is that? We don't have Frank. We, I can't check in and see if we've done everything. Frank's got a life. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> apparently. His <laughs> wife has to have a birthday. <laughs> he wants to spend time with the woman he's married to. What a weirdo. <laughs> Happy birthday to Teresa. This Yay! is going to air a few weeks afterwards, but uh, I hope you guys have a nice night, and that's why Frank can't be here. Yeah. Well, until next week, friends, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.